0: Brought to you by the students at Mary Persons High School, in conjunction with MPTV. This is Monroe County Schools Radio, exclusively on Magic 100 FM. Today, we complete our feature on the career technical and agricultural education pathways at Mary Persons High School. We start out with an interview from Ms. Hankinson, who is over the work-based learning down at the high school.
1: Hi, I'm Sadie Eisenhower with MPTV. This interview is one in a series about the career, technical, and agricultural education pathways at Mary Persons High School. What do you do in your pathway?
2: Well, I teach work-based learning, and it is not a pathway in and of itself it kind of just tacks on to the other pathways so let's say a student finishes a pathway in business and they wanted to um, expand it and go a little bit further and maybe see the business side of a company they would do work-based learning and then they could go outside of the school and be able to earn credit while working and learning a little bit more about the business pathway construction pathway healthcare pathway we work with all the pathways Advanced academics and any of the fine arts.
1: What made you want to become a CTAE teacher?
2: I was not a CTAE teacher to start with. I was originally an English teacher, and that was 26 years ago. Uh, And I was I actually taught English to, uh, to kids who had failed two or more times, so they really struggled with it. And I just kind of developed a passion for uh, kids who have a hard time in school, who don't really want to be here. It's not, it's not what they want to do, they just want to go to work. And so that kind of led me into another program, which was called CCAE, and that was completely designed for at-risk students. And and then CCAE led me into work-based learning, which is kind of the perfect mix of all of those things.
1: How has COVID impacted your teaching style? COVID. Um,
2: Well, I have 81 work-based learning students and 44 of them never set foot on campus. So it hasn't necessarily impacted my teaching style as much as it has impacted my workload just trying to um, track down students if they owe me a piece of paper i can't find them in a hallway or go see them in another teacher's classroom i have to call them on the phone i have to set up times and places to meet them to get the paperwork i need so i definitely am traveling a lot more with the job than what i normally would i do feel like the number of students is higher than it would normally be because of covid also Uh, In ways, it's been great because some of my students have been able to work full-time jobs, do their online classes at night. Um, Some of them have gone on and gotten certifications already. I I have one who just finished heavy equipment operator certification. It was a 12-week course in Atlanta, and he wouldn't have been able to do that if it wasn't for COVID online schooling and work-based learning.
1: So you said previously that you were an English teacher. So if you weren't a CTAE teacher, would you continue doing English? Absolutely not.
2: There is too much grading in English. I would not do that. Um, if I could be anything other than a teacher or just a CTAE teacher, I would um, I would be a pressure washer because I love instant gratification and I like to um, to clean. So that would be like my, my dream job when I retire in three years in like 75 days or something just kidding i'm not retiring don't take my job
1: from me (laughs) is there a lot of work that is behind the scenes of teaching that is not seen in the classroom if so what is it yeah
2: most of my work is behind the scenes i don't think any any other teacher on campus really has an idea of of what i do they see me coming they see me going they see pieces of paper in in my hand and they don't necessarily know how much has gone into preparing this stuff documenting this stuff Uh, my students work records have to have to remain on file with the state for six years so everything has to be in perfect order you know by by the end of may i have everything uploaded ready to go all my files kept perfectly labeled ready to put away for six years so there is a lot of behind the scenes work
1: what is your favorite assignment of the year entire year
2: okay well i don't necessarily have a favorite assignment because every assignment kind of leads into the next the focus of work-based learning is soft skills which of course would be skills that you need on any job employability skills personal skills work ethics. Uh, so, all of our coursework focuses on those things. And every week, the student gets a different soft skill to focus on. Um, for example, last week, the students focused on company culture and trying to fit in at their work sites or what to do if they don't feel like they fit in at the company culture, what their options are. This week is toxic coworkers, and it goes over the different types of coworkers that you may encounter and how, how you handle them. So truly, like, I, I love everything we do. The curriculum was designed by me, and that's the beautiful part about work-based learning is I don't necessarily have to follow um, any state guidelines for it. So if I think there's something that the kids need to know, what what do you do if you got fired? What do you do if you want to put in two weeks' resignation? Uh, you know, how, how to professionally ask for an absence? Just all of the things that, that teenagers do don't know find out probably the hard way we kind of try to offset and go and teach it to them earlier so i love all of my curriculum
1: what is expected out of your students the
2: most I I expect them um, to be leaders. I think that if you've come this far, you're a junior, you're a senior, you've got enough credits to be able to to successfully be a student academically and to be successful in the workplace that you've automatically stepped into a leadership role. And I'm going to treat you that way. And I expect you to follow deadlines. I expect you to turn every assignment in. And I expect you to act professionally maintain communication with me. I need to know what happens on the work site all the time, if it's good, if it's bad. Um, I expect you to work on your communication skills so that uh, you can talk in different situations to different people and you'll be comfortable with, with that. Um, my weekly work, with, along with the soft skills, they do have to interview one person every week, ask them one question. And I do that just to get people comfortable with talking to people, because it seems like everyone wants to text now instead of talk.
1: Lastly, what makes your pathway unique? Oh, it's the the best
2: of everything. It's the best of the classroom. It's the best of CTAE. It's, It's the best of getting out in the community, putting our best students out there. I, I absolutely love everything that work-based learning um, can do for students. I'm passionate about it. I think it puts uh, CTA in a great light in the community. And uh, right now, you know, people, people need workers. I have the workforce for them. It's, uh, it's just a great blend of everything we try to accomplish at the end of a kid's high school career.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today to explain a little bit about your program.
0: To end out our feature on the CTAE Pathways at Mary Persons High School, we shine a spotlight on Miss Susan Little. Miss Little is over the broadcast pathway and is in charge of the students who produce the Monroe County Schools radio show.
3: Hi, I'm Connor with MPTV. This interview is one in a series about the career, technical, and agricultural education pathways at Mary Persons High School?
4: Currently, I teach accounting, business communications, and then I teach the broadcast pathway. I'm going to focus more on the broadcast pathway for this interview because Miss Amy Myers did an interview about the business pathways that we have here at Mary Persons.
3: What do you teach and what exactly do you do in your pathway?
4: In the broadcast pathway, we take a creative project from start to finish. We plan for the project. We film we edit, and then we produce. It could be things like editing a video, editing audio, editing these radio interviews. We do a lot of editing. It's a very time-driven series of courses. We have six courses that students can take. It takes three to finish the pathway, but we have a lot of people who want to stick around and learn more. Um, We learn about interviewing skills. We learn about professional communication, how to work with a team. There's just so much embedded into the broadcast pathway. Um, we live stream football events um, or all the football games. We film and edit a lot of the fine arts events. We've had a bit of a break from that this year um, due to COVID, but we still anything that's happened, we've been able to film that and share that with those fine arts people, um, fine arts teachers, and things. It's hard to put into words all the different things that we do on a given day. We could be have we could have people doing six or eight or 12 different projects. Um, Right now, the program is still getting started. We're in our fifth year. And we still have all of the levels in the same classroom. So we could have someone who's just learning to edit and even import their files into Adobe Premiere, which is the software we use. And then we could have someone doing some advanced editing features, such as adding filters as backgrounds or, you know, overlaying audio. There's just Our experience levels are so different, and it it works well that way because the students who have more experience can help those who don't have experience, and it's just such a team effort, and I think that's just the way it kind of has to be when dealing with anything broadcast.
3: What made you want to become a teacher?
4: As far as becoming a teacher, I really cannot remember a time in my life that I did not want to be a teacher, even as a child. I set up my dolls and my, my uh, stuffed animals and things and, and made them go to school and take tests. And I had a grade book. It's kind of our family business. My parents were both teachers. My siblings both have been teachers at points in their life. So it's just kind of what I always knew. Um, and it's what I always wanted to do. I didn't really know what I wanted to teach until I got to high school and I took business courses. And I loved my teachers. I loved what I learned there. So I became a business teacher right out of college. And then uh, four years ago, Um, I added the broadcast and it has been a challenge, but it has been a welcome challenge. And I have very much enjoyed transitioning into a more creative way of teaching.
3: How has COVID impacted your teaching style?
4: COVID rocked my teaching world. Um, Even though I thought I used a lot of technology because I teach in a computer lab and we use cameras and and very complicated equipment. Just going online completely for a while was just so different for me. I had to think differently about the way I approach things, the way I assigned things, um, making things available for students who were at home all the time versus students who were in class, having the technology that they could use at home. We had to order some extra things for them to be able to do some of the video at home. We found online video editing software that they could use. It just really changed the way that I had to approach things. And even though it was really hard and it's still still hard, um, I think it's been a good change. And there are a lot of things that I will keep to think about not having to have the best equipment to film Um, and just to be able to whatever you've got, you can use it. You, You don't have to have the fancy stuff. You can make really neat videos, really cool projects with just a phone and maybe a microphone maybe just your phone's microphone. So I think a lot of that will stick around and we'll be able to do more with less in the future.
3: What would you be doing if you weren't a teacher and why?
4: If I were not a teacher, honestly, I can't imagine doing anything else. Like I love being a teacher. I love teaching high school students. Um, I don't want to do anything else. Like This is absolutely where I need to be, where I want to be. My Pathway is unique because of the final product. We produce a weekly news show. Um, There's not another Pathway that produces a weekly news show. We do this radio show. We film events and we analyze um, footage and edit. And I just, while some of those things are done in other classes, that is our major goal. Another thing that is similar but also different is Everything is team driven. If one person doesn't do their job, no one else can complete their jobs well. And um, I think that's kind of different because a lot, at least in the other classes that I have taught, students can do their thing. And if other people don't do theirs, it's fine. It doesn't affect them as much. But here, you know, if you're waiting on a weather segment and it hasn't been recorded, it hasn't been edited. The show can't get done, and you really have to make adjustments.
3: What makes your pathway unique from all others?
4: Well, I guess that's similar, but I was thinking time management is different. We're so deadline driven. I mean, if the show's supposed to release on Friday morning, like we can't push it back to Friday afternoon. Like it has to get done on time. And I think there are other pathways that have that aspect to them, but I just I think ours is a little bit more. The deadlines are quicker and. They just keep coming. It's never ending. And I, I do think, too, that we have such an avenue for creativity. If somebody has an idea, we can play with it and see how it works. And um, while we are tied to a curriculum, absolutely, our standards are general. It's, you know, learning to work in a team to produce a video. It doesn't say we have to produce a specific type of video or, or on a specific topic. And having that creativity available to students is. That's pretty huge, and it it gives them a great chance to use their own voice. Thank you
3: so much for joining us today to explain a little about your program.
0: Up next, we change gears just a bit and catch up with Roger Onstott, the Director of Facilities and Maintenance at Monroe County Schools.
5: Abby Pollack here with MPTV and today we are in here with Mr. Onstott who we have interviewed before. So if you'll just refresh us on your job title and all of that.
6: Okay. I'm Roger Onstott and I'm the Facilities and Maintenance Coordinator for the Monroe County School System.
5: Yeah. Okay. Um, remind us what you're responsible for within the Monroe County School System. You just said that, but just kind of like brief on it a little bit more. <laughs>
6: Okay, I'm responsible for all the physical facilities that are owned by the Board of Education. I'm also involved, involved with uh, new construction, renovations, athletics, equipment purchases, auditing facilities, and just the day-to-day operations of the school system.
5: Um, currently, you're working on constructing new classrooms and new buildings to the middle school. Um, when we last interviewed you, you were just getting started on that project, so give us an update on that project and if you have like an estimated timeline or just how that is kind of looking for the system.
6: Okay. Well, we are constructing 14 new classrooms uh, in addition to an existing lunch room. we're adding on to it at the Monroe County Middle School. Uh, the groundwork for this project actually began two years ago. The planning part of it started and trying to get the uh, infrastructure in place to expand the middle school as some will know the the expansion occurred uh, when we had to shut down the William Hubbard campus Mm -hmm. and moving all those students across the sixth grade um, we ended up packing them in there so um, the first thing that had to happen was basically to uh, uh, improve Thornton Road. So we had to add, uh, we got the county to help us out and they expanded that a turn lane and then we were able, once that was done, to create a queuing lane out in front of the school to expand the back parking lot and we're able basically to put in all the infrastructure to handle, once the additional wings were built, uh, all the extra traffic that we were gonna see. So uh, right now, Parrish Construction Company is doing the additions and I would say with the classroom part they're probably about 50% complete. Um, the the brickwork is, is going up on all the wings now and two of them are almost complete and then there'll be a wing on the back side that they'll go to after that so wow. it's progressing right along.
5: That's good. Um, Is there anything you're planning to do this summer in hopes of next school year being kind of back to normal? Because I know some of your construction things probably revolve around COVID and all this stuff. So,
6: Well, we're expecting this summer to be really busy. Um, Unfortunately, the pandemic created situations where we weren't able to complete all the work we needed to do last year. Uh, As an example, we had one custodial staff at one of the schools that all of them contracted COVID, or at least were exposed, so they ended up losing two weeks at one of the schools. So when you lose two weeks out of a summer, oh, yeah. it's it's huge in you know relative to the, all the work that has to get done. Yeah, sure. So it definitely put us behind. So we have a lot of uh, things that we we weren't able to get to, and now hopefully um, we're. we're getting past that point where everybody hopefully we'll have a good complete summer and catch back up on uh, all the day-to-day kind of stuff that needs to get done.
5: Yeah for sure. Um, What do you think the next big construction project will be once you finish the current ones and the future
6: ones? Well there's a lot on the drawing board right (laughs) now Um, and the discussions are there and, and a lot of it has to do with when the, the Board of Education finally approves it. Right now we're looking at uh, building a new ninth grade, mm-hmm. uh, the College and Career Academy, which if the funding goes through on it, um, there's a, a state uh, is, is basically putting the bill for the College and Career Academy, and those announcements should be made shortly. So when the dollars become available, then the planning and mm-hmm. get going and... Um, yeah. Then there's uh, a field house that's been discussed for at, uh, for a football stadium, uh, along yeah. with some along with other additions. Um, That'd be cool. I mean, there's just going to be a lot, and, and the planning stage of it is the yeah. biggest part. Trying yeah. to get, you know, it's for my job. That's that's where the biggest part of the work comes in is on the front end of it. So that when it comes time to push dirt, um, yeah everything's done like it needs to be done of course
5: well that's all the questions that I have if you have any additional statements or anything you'd like to say you can say this. Um, okay
6: well I just really enjoy uh, working in the Munro County School System um, I, I I love to see the progress that we continue to make on, from a facility standpoint and you know I, I really enjoy seeing the success of all the kids that come out of here, and the 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 diversity in in the the type of kids that that are you know, it's not just you know you're ex, you're excelling athletically, you're excelling uh, musically, you're excelling as far as theater. Um, it, it's across the board academic. I mean, it's just everything about the whole school system. My daughter graduated from here, and um, the educational background that she got here. Has, has helped her achieve her, her goal of becoming an occupational therapist since she was in the ninth grade. So um, there's just a lot to be proud of, of, of this school system and, yeah, and sure. the, the administrators and staff and and the students and, and everything that goes into it.
5: For sure. Well, thank you, Mr. Onstall. It was great to talk to you again, and we can't wait to see the other projects and the middle school finish up, and yeah, we just hope to see your work. Well, yeah. Thank you
6: very much for having me.
5: Of course. Thank you.
0: To end out today's show, we interview Rebecca Stone, the new president and CEO of the forsyth Monroe County Chamber of Commerce. We talk to her a bit about the Presifia Festival coming up this May.
7: hey everyone my name is madeline scott and i'm with MPTV. today i'm going to be speaking with rebecca stone to learn a little bit more about the forsythia festival what is the forsythia festival for people who do not know what it is
8: the forsythia festival is a 30 this will be the 34th annual forsythia festival in Forsyth, georgia it's a two-day arts and crafts extravaganza um and we also have a lot of food vendors that come we're very very careful when choosing our vendors to make sure that they are all very unique. So but that being said, every product is handmade. Um so there's nothing like manufactured. Um we have lots of reeds and um jewelry, soaps, all kinds of body care products, um dog products like bandanas and collars and everything is handmade um, we also don't have any food vendors that have the same product so if you're going to stand in line to get a steak sandwich one place you would have to go stand in line somewhere else to get a sausage dog
7: what is the history of first the forsythia
8: festival The forsythia festival was started like i said 34 years ago by a um, group of forsythians folks from Forsyth that thought it would be fun to have a little community weekend show and it has just grown from there. The um, show happens the first uh, or the second weekend in March historically. It's always been held at that time. Um, However you know this year due to COVID we weren't able to have it um, at the first part of March Mm -hmm. so we have decided to postpone until later in May but we are just extremely excited for the opportunity to get to have the festival and we are getting nothing but positive vibes all around from our vendors and the community and the business community everyone is very excited about the festival
7: oh yeah I definitely know people are excited it's something that I look forward to every year as well what things have like changed about the first this this festival this year I know you kind of mentioned the date had to change but are there other things that had to change this year
8: well yes ma'am in general, normally on a, on a regular year, um, we have anywhere from 90 to 100 vendors. We're probably not going to have that many this year. Um, you know, a lot of that is due to the spacing. We have a uh, limited footprint um, for the festival in the area that we have it. So uh, to keep everybody safe and to not pack everything in there, um, you know, we are going to spread them out a little bit more. Um, try to enforce that social distancing as best we can. Uh, We are asking all of our vendors to please wear a mask um, as much as they possibly can, even though the festival is outside. Um, You know, it just kind of gives the public a little bit, uh, a more safe feeling. Um, We also will have hand sanitizing stations and hand washing stations um, throughout the festival itself. And we are also asking our vendors Um, to go ahead and make sure that they kind of clean every 30 minutes or so in between batches of customers.
7: Can you give us a general overview of some important dates for the Forsythia?
8: Thursday evening, May the 20th, we will host our annual business after hours to kick off the Forsythia Festival weekend and that will be held at Uh, Middle Georgia Realty, Conningham Realty is doing that. Mm -hmm. So we ask that the business owners, the downtown community, drop in and visit with us then. And there will be lots of fun and prizes and food there also. And then the festival itself will begin on Saturday, May the 22nd at 9 o'clock a.m. and go through 6 p.m. And it will be Sunday from 11 until 5. Historically, we've had live events, uh, the stage you know, our, our faith fest, which is a very well attended concert mm-hmm. uh, featuring, um, you know, faith music. But this year we kind of decided not to do any of that due to the gathering of the large crowd. Yes. With the festival itself, you know, you're, <coughs> you're, you can move around and, and kind of keep your distance from folks, but getting in a tight area such as the church, for the Faith Fest or having the community stage with the live performances. We just wanted to kind of stay away from that this year, but we are looking forward to growing those events and bringing them back next year. Where
7: can people find information about the Forsythia Festival?
8: Well, right now, um, our website is under construction for the festival itself. There was a lot of things that needed to be updated and changed, and we have our graphic design internet folks on that. We're hoping that that will be up soon, so you can check back there at com. Okay. Um, we also have Persithia information on our Facebook page, and that is at Persithia Festival on Facebook. Um, I keep that pretty updated. Okay. And then they're welcome to always contact me. I'm Rebecca Stone, the President and CEO of the Chamber of Commerce, and I can be reached at four seven eight. 994 9239, Monday through Friday.
7: Okay, thank you so much for that. Um, and then I just have one last question. Um, what is your personal favorite part of the Forsythia Festival?
8: Ah, uh, gotta say the food. <laughs> Love those funnel cakes.
7: Do you have a particular favorite food truck or something like that that you recommend everybody go to?
8: Um, No, they're all good, they're all delicious. Every single one, we hand-pick them all. Uh And they are each unique in their own way and all delicious.
7: Cool. Well, um, just wanted to say thank you so much for taking time out of your day to let us interview you. Um, And we are looking forward to the
8: Forsythia Festival. I thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk with you today, Madeline. And we appreciate everything that you guys do for our community at Mary Persons. And thank you all for being such uh, well-rounded business folks.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Mumro County Schools Radio, exclusively on Magic 100 FM. Have a great week, remember to be a champ, and as always, go dogs! The thoughts expressed in this segment represent Mumro County Schools.